0: Be a pro with AC Pro. I know you've got six straight games. They all may be really important. I get that. Can you try to keep the first game close? Because, hey, look, one thing about the Mets and their DNA is they've shown an ability to fight back. So when you're down in this game 3-1, to when you're down in this game 4-1, to while it felt over, it's not over-over. So do what you can to keep the game close. Buck didn't do that today. Okay. He failed us. Jake failed us. Buck failed us. But the offense really failed us. And we're getting way too used to this. We saw it in the two games against Miami until they woke up late in game two. And we certainly saw it tonight. Their offense did nothing. And I could live because I mentioned this earlier. When you're facing an ace, and Max Freed is an absolute legitimate ace in Major League Baseball, even though that word has become like no one knows what an ace is anymore. I'm getting DMs. Jacob Degrom isn't an ace, so I don't know who an ace is. There aren't many aces in baseball. I think Max Freed's proven he is. I do. Whether it's in the postseason, whether it's what he's done this season with a two and a half ERA, whether it's his career numbers, Max Freed's an ace. So I understand. That when it's ace versus ace, you may lose two to one. You may lose three to one, and you may have to, as frustrating as it is, tip your hat to the opponent. You may have to do that. But the Mets were given a gift because after five innings, Max Fried, who had retired 10 in a row after the Guillerme gift of a base hit, wasn't feeling well. And again, I hope Max is okay, but he wasn't feeling well. So the Mets were able to get to the Brave bullpen, and I get the Braves have a very good bullpen, but you're facing Colin McHugh, top of the order, you do nothing. You're facing Rossiel Iglesias, you get a two-out double, and overall you do nothing. Yes, you get a run against A.J. Minter, and we'll get to the ninth inning. They rallied, they made it interesting against Kenley Jansen, but here are the facts. The New York Mets scored two runs against the Braves in this game one of which was a gift because Eddie Rosario can't catch a fly ball on the lights and he drops a ball that Guillerme hits. And the other run is on a Tomas Nito home run and Buck play him every day. Tomas Nito should catch every day. The rest of the season. He's actually showing a pulse offensively. He's better defensively than McCann, but I think Buck realizes it because I think Nito has started like eight of the last 11 games. I know sometimes we don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough. He has become the most-of-the-time catcher for this team. But the offense didn't do anything. Francisco Lindor took an offer. Pete Alonzo, after that first-inning single, took an offer, including a double play in the sixth inning that was a kick in the balls after Nimmo had the infield hit. So, Brandon Nimmo did next to nothing. Pete Alonzo did nothing. Francisco Lindor did nothing. Mark Canna, besides being hit by a pitch, what else is new? Did nothing. Very tough to score runs when the first four hitters in your lineup do nothing. And they did nothing. Uh, what I thought was interesting, and I liked, see, I'm honest, was I did like, even though it didn't work, Bucks sticking with Francisco Alvarez twice against right handed pitchers. I did. First, he did it against Iglesias in the seventh inning after the Escobar double. He could have very easily gone to Daniel Vogel back. It made sense. He said, you know what? This kid's had two major league at-bats. Let me let him face a righty. Didn't work, but I liked it. And I have to admit, in the ninth inning, he again gave him an opportunity. Bases loaded one out after Jansen had issued the walk to Escobar, and he looked completely overmatched. There's There's no denying that. But I liked it. I admit that. And I think a part of that is, let's see what the kids got. I think the other part of it is, Daniel Vogelbach is not exactly in, you know instilling confidence in any of us. If Vogelbach had been hitting more recently, and Jansen's also really tough against lefties, I would factor that in. Maybe my view would be different, but I had no problem with that. I didn't. I want to be fair. I had a problem with Tyler McGill in the seventh inning. I had a problem with the Grom coming out of the game, even though we later realized it's a blister. I did not have a problem with giving the kid a chance to hit. But I think he was also thinking ahead. If Tomas Nito, despite the home run in the eighth, had come up in the ninth, then he was going to use Daniel Vogelbach. Then he would have used that chip. They don't have a lot of great chips on their bench right now. So I think if you're Buck, you got to be judicious about when you use them. And I think that's a part of the thinking. I think he realizes if I use Vogelbach in the seventh, there's a chance. You never know how this game's going to play out. Vogelbach may see a lefty later in this game. And then what do I do? Who am I using? So I think a part of sticking with this lineup was, yeah, give the kid a chance. Why not? But I think the other part is I'm thinking long-term. I'm thinking ahead. I don't have that many bullets to use. When should I use my bullets? And look, we all wanted Alvarez up here. It's only one game. He had his moment. He had his chance, especially with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. He looked completely overmatched. I'll give you a positive. They made Kenley Jansen throw a lot of pitches. <laughs> so if Jansen needs to be used again, and God hoping he doesn't in game two of this series, because hopefully the Mets have a lead, you did force the Braves to use their closer and have him throw a lot of pitches. A.J. Minter had to throw a handful of pitches. Iglesias didn't throw many pitches, but the Braves were forced to use their top line guys. I mean, it's a small positive because the truth is this sucks. I think the hope is when you have the best pitcher, quote unquote, in baseball, you're going to win game one. You're also hoping, well, eventually these bats are going to wake up and it never happened. Look, I'm glad they rallied in the ninth inning, even though it was a gift hit by pitch by Cana. McNeil had a clean single, and Escobar, who was so locked in, give him credit. He had two more hits in this game. He draws a walk, which was a really good walk against Jansen in the ninth inning. The Mets at least set things up. Problem is, they set it up for Alvarez and Naquin, and they both couldn't come through. Naquin, I'll tell you this about the Naquin at bat, and it's not just being negative. Tyler Naquin had the weakest nine-pitch at-bat or eight-pitch at-bat, whatever it turned out to be, you'll ever see. The contact he made was so lucky. There was never for a moment where I said, oh, yeah, he's going to get that cookie, and he's going to hit it. No, 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 no. You knew the strikeout was inevitable. You knew it. He's barely tipping pitches. He's check-swinging. He's hitting weak pop-ups that somehow find the first row. And, And look, he had to use them. I was thinking for a second, would I pinch it Vogel back for Naquin? And you really couldn't. Position-wise, what are you going to do? It's a part of how I guess you could have eventually just used Terrence Gore. But then you have Nito coming up. You're really not going to then pinch it for Nito. So you were sort of forced to give Tyler Naquin that opportunity. But look, this sucked, man. Uh, The good news is we knew going into this series, win a game that's it, and at least you control your future. But it still sucks to lose to this team. It sucks to lose to these guys. It sucks to hear these fans with their dopey, constipated, tomahawk-chop chant. Everything about playing the Atlanta Braves blows. And yeah, for those of us old enough, it sort of felt like the late 90s all over again. I know it's a different stadium, and obviously all the players are different. I mean, freaking Alvarez wasn't even born yet when the Mets were playing the Braves in the late 90s. But it just had that feel. Now, here's the good news. Max Scherzer's on the mound in game two. And I am not going to argue with anybody who wants to tweet at me or say, Max Scherzer's the ace and I trust him the most. You know what? Based on this season, and that's all we can look at, why wouldn't you trust Max Scherzer the most? How can you not? The guy's three for three against the Atlanta Braves this season – The guy has come up big in big moments. He's also statistically having a great season. I mean, we can't ignore that. He's having one of his best statistical seasons of his career. Unfortunately, he's missed time, so he's not going to put up the 30-plus starts. And I know we've said this before about him, and I gave that lame story about Paul Pierce in the playoffs against the Raptors, but I'll use the phrase, this is why he's here. He's here." Because he's a legitimate future Hall of Famer who has seen so many big games in his career, he's forgotten half of them. And look, in Max's mind, I'm sure he looks at this as a big game, but laughs and says, yeah, I've started World Series games, bro. Big? Eh, Okay, I guess a little bit. So I trust him.